Hello, and welcome to episode 250 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And today is a beautiful day because Evan is back from his brother's wedding. Evan, without you last weekend, I had my stone-cold worst day ever in DFS. I saw that, bro. Sorry. I think... I think we know, we both know, though, there's only one man to blame here, and it is, of course, Drew Silva. How was the wedding? Yep. How's it going? How was the wedding? Uh, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was just like a big party. It was real casual. Everybody had a, um, had, had a great time. The, um, the bride got up at the end and sang uh, Alanis Morissette, You Ought to Know, like karaoke, just absolutely <laughs> crushed it. Um, that was a great cat to the night, but uh, it's good to be back. You know, my other brothers better not be getting married anytime soon because I'm not doing that shit again. I mean, <laughs> I've had to like pull back to back all nighters just to get, you know, just to uh, figure out all the stuff that happened on Sunday. But um, no, it was it was a great time. I'm glad I did it. I'm sorry that I was unavailable, uh, but we're, we're not doing that again. I, I can promise you that. OK, good. On today's show. And each Tuesday this season, Evan and I are going to go team by team, highlighting the most important things we saw from a fantasy perspective and key takeaways. I think it's a really useful exercise. Hope you guys are finding value in these podcasts. Before we get to that, two things. First, if you have not subscribed to our in-season package yet, you are missing 95% of the content we put out each week. Silva's matchups, our projections, ownership projections, all our shows, premium pods. Hermes Meyer's Air Yards by Low Model makes its debut this week, as the model needed two weeks to run, we do have weekly and monthly options up on the site right now. Check it out on the subscribe page. Second, this show is brought to you by our friends at prizepicks.com. You guys know me. You know I love player props. Prize Picks is essentially a DFS platform that specializes in player props. If you're in a state like New York or California or Texas or a bunch of other states without a legal sports book, Prize Picks is legal and regulated. We know price picks, uh, we know props are fun. We know they are beatable. We're also posting a table each week to compare our projections with prize picks, props lines to give you guys a stance, a, a look at where we stand on their props. If you want to give them a try this week, they have a 100% instant sign up bonus up to $100. Use promo code ETR to get the best deal or use the link in the show notes. Again, promo code ETR at prizepicks.com for the instant deposit bonus and the best deal. Evan, let's get into it here with the NFC and we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. Really encouraging from Rondale. I mean, Rondale was one of the guys we were on most heading into the season for season long as kind of a flyer turned 10th round pick. In week one, he only ran a route on 38% of Kyler dropbacks, but in week two, he earned more because he played so well in week one. In week two, he ran a route on 58% of Kyler dropbacks. He's turned 13 targets this year into 11 182 one, of course, the dust ball, A.J. Green, every down player, still somehow, 12 targets and only 569-1. What do you see out of Rondale? What do you see out of the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, Rondale already leads the Cardinals in targets, re uh, re receptions, receiving yards, uh, I believe first down catches as well. Uh, he's the number two playmaker behind DeAndre Hopkins that the Cardinals needed, and that came in especially handy against Minnesota because, you know, DeAndre Hopkins got stuck on Patrick Peterson all game. And, you know, this is the time of year that Patrick Peterson is going to be at his best. He'll probably fade as the season progresses. But he did a good job against DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins does not move in the uh, the Cardinals air raid or horizontal raid or whatever you want to call it, style of offense. So he's easy for uh, Patrick Peterson to pick off. But Rondell Moore is not playing in the slot just 
Um, and then making that big play, was it like a 77-yard touchdown down yeah. the football field, uh, electrifying after the catch. Um, he is still f- technically fourth in the pecking order, though, in terms of snaps and uh, routes run uh, behind Kirk, A.J. Green, and DeAndre Hopkins. So I, w- I would anticipate some ups and downs um, going forward. There's going to be some inconsistency mixed in. But, I mean, I, right now I think he's a wide receiver three slash flex starter going up against the Jaguars in, in week three. It's going to be a great matchup. Kyler Murray, though, I, I think he's the early favorite for NFL MVP, for fantasy MVP, uh, because through two weeks, he's got 10 more fantasy points than any other quarterback in the league. Tom Brady is number two uh, with nine touchdown passes. He still is 10 points behind Kyler Murray. Huge difference maker, huge swing pick uh, early in the season. Oh, man, Kyler is just going absolutely ham out there. I would note, though, I I have a bet on DeAndre Hopkins under receiving yards for the entire season. And part of the thesis of that was Rondale was going to eat into it. Chase Edmonds was going to eat into it. Chase Edmonds is racking up a bunch of targets as well. AJ Green will be in there to eat into it a little bit. So I feel good about that. But yeah, I mean, certainly not panicking on DeAndre Hopkins, but they just have a lot of guys they can throw to right now with Christian Kirk back playing well, Rondale playing well, and Chase Edmonds such a big part of the pass game also. Let's go to the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, going down to Tampa is a really tough spot for anyone. But the Falcons were in the game. I mean, they had a chance to win like early in the fourth quarter. I think they were only down by three points. And then Matt Ryan throws a couple late pick sixes and in the final score looks really, really ugly. As expected, though, nice bounce back for Kyle Pitts. I mean, with the usage that he's getting, Kyle Pitts is going to have a very, very strong year at the tight end position. I think what people want to know now, Evan, is this Cordell Patterson versus Mike Davis thing because it was really dangerous to go into the year assuming Mike Davis was going to get all the work and that's why you were taking him in the fourth fifth round but as we see that's not always how it shakes out and Cordell Patterson is playing like a traditional running back role and he's really involved around the goal line what you see out of Atlanta and the running back situation well if you were taking Mike Davis in the fourth round you should lose your fantasy license (laughs) and not be able to play for the rest of your life Um, but I mean I, I thought that he made sense as like a six round pick uh, it's just that you know, he is, you know, a, a replacement level back. I mean, that's just who he is. Uh, but he is also still heavily vol- involved in the passing game. I mean, he's got a lead on Cordero Patterson. I know that Cordero Patterson has made some big plays. He scored with a couple touchdowns last week. And he's been a good, like, change of pace back. I mean, it's still Mike Davis in the lead. It's just that this offense hasn't been very good in totality. Um, and, I mean, I think there should be concern about Matt Ryan. Clearly – the, Fal- the Falcons are bottom five in air yards uh, so far as a team. And that is killing Calvin Ridley, who he had a fine week two. But, you know, we had much higher hopes for him making plays down the football field. I wonder if it's because Arthur Smith does not trust, especially the interior of Atlanta's offensive line and or because uh, Matt Ryan is starting to, to fall down the cliff a little bit. Right. I mean, I, I think that there are significant concerns with this offense. Um, we, Leone and I got asked, would you rather have Cooper cup or Calvin Ridley going forward? He said, Calvin Ridley, uh, I said, it is, is fine. If you selected Cooper cup, um, yeah. I, I, you know, they're, they're really riffing with Matthew Stafford. We'll talk about that when we get to the Rams, but I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think that there's light at the end of the tunnel here for uh, Atlanta's passing game? I, I thought the only way that Pitts and Ridley would fail this year is if 36 year old Matt Ryan was off the edge of a cliff and also Arthur Smith was kind of a mirage. So far, it doesn't look good on either count. Schedule, though, does open up 
a little bit. I think they played the Giants this week. Yeah, they played the Giants mm-hmm. this week. Then Washington football team, Jets, Dolphins, Panthers. They get the Cowboys. They got the Jaguars at some point. Like, they're going to be big games, I think, for Ryan and Ridley still. So I'm okay. I, I would, I still prefer Ridley over Pitts, but I, I hear you. And we'll get to that when we get to Ridley over Cup. Ridley over Cup. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to the. You guys just uh, love the Priors, don't you? Just love it. I know. Um, I should note Russell Gage hurt his ankle in this game. Don't think it makes too big of a difference, but just wanted to note Russell Gage, I think will be end up questionable for week three. Carolina Panthers, you know, DJ Moore is balling, man. And Robbie is kind of back to being this mm-hmm. deep guy and DJ Moore is eating it up. And I was so tilted. I had these bets on uh, Terrace Marshall overs, Terrace Marshall over two and a half catches, which he barely hit. He had three catches. And then Terrace Marshall over on yards, which he didn't get to. Brandon Zystra comes in and steals three targets on just eight routes. Still 24 routes run for Terrace Marshall is good. I mean, I tweeted it, man. I, I know I've been talking about this all offseason. Like Sam Darnold writing him off just because he was bad on the Jets was a mistake. I mean, dude is playing well. And I don't know if it's going to sustain. I think just when you have the weapons that this team has and you have Joe Brady, Sam Darnold is going to continue to play well. So I'm really optimistic about Carolina in general, what you see out of another really impressive win for Carolina? Yeah, Sam Darnold's averaging eight yards per pass attempt. During his three-year career with the Jets, he averaged 6.6. So he's taking a really big step up here. You know, much uh, uh, well, more better orchestrated offense under Joe Brady as compared to Adam Gase. You know, the um, the weapons are, are big time in Carolina. I actually think that Robbie Anderson is a buy low uh, right now. I think that we we should see some uh, some evening evening out, out between him and DJ Moore going forward. You want to talk about a gorgeous going forward schedule? You know, we talked about how Sam Darnold might be. Um, you know, I went on the Around the NFL podcast and I I try to give them uh, for their fantasy bonanza or whatever, and I try to give them a really good sleeper, um, and I gave him Sam Darnold. Yeah, and then Rosenthal just shit all over me. He was like, <laughs> "No way," you know. And then he named some terrible quarterback that, you know, probably isn't even starting as his retort. But uh, Darnold is off to a really hot start. He's a top 12 fantasy quarterback through two weeks. The going forward schedule, Houston, Dallas, Philly, Minnesota, Giants, Falcons. That's weeks three through eight. So, no, this train is not stopping anytime soon. Um, You know, Rosenthal's taking it right down the throat. (laughs) I love it. Oh God! All right. Speaking of quarterback situations, let's get to the Bears because we never want to celebrate. Oh, you know, I wanted to mention one more thing. I'm sorry to, to interrupt. Um, I'm all I'm all jazzed up because you know I, I didn't get to do this stuff for the last couple of days because I was at this damn wedding. But um, <laughs> Panthers right now, I, I just mentioned their schedule. They are plus one thirty to make the playoffs on DraftKings. I think that's a pretty good bet. They can rush the passer. Their mm-hmm. passing game is really clicking. They've been able to overcome what I think, uh, you know, is, is not the most talented offensive line so far. Mm-hmm. And then this schedule. So I think plus 130, uh, I really like them to make the playoffs. Agree. Yeah, I would shop that price. Maybe we can find better somewhere else. But that sounds like a pretty good bet to me as well. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Chicago Bears. And we never want to celebrate anyone getting hurt. But any Dalton hurt his knee. I don't think he's going to be able to play in week three. So it looks like. Justin Fields season. Justin Fields came in for 42 snaps against the Bengals in week two, only ran 10 times for 31 yards. But if you combine his regular season rushing with his preseason rushing, that's 134 snaps, 21 carries, 123 yards, one touchdown. I mean, Justin Fields was looking to run far more 
than Trey Lance was in the preseason. We talked about that leading up to the season. I'm excited about Justin Fields. It's not the softest landing spot to face the Browns. I believe that game is in Cleveland to face the Browns in your first career NFL start. But I mean, Tyrod was ripping up the Browns for a little bit there before he got hurt in week two. It's not an impenetrable defense. When you think about Justin Fields, how excited would you be to start him, I guess, in season long this week? Yeah, and then after that, it is at home against the Lions. So I don't know, I have Justin Fields on one of my main event teams. We're really we started out with Trevor Lawrence as our like our paper over quarterback. Uh, so we're really, really excited to move on to Justin Fields. And I mean, I'll, I'll be starting him, you know, right away, week three at Cleveland. I know it's not the easiest matchup, but this dude is gonna run. Um, he might might even have some fan support. He's beloved at, at Ohio State uh, in Cleveland. But uh, yeah, really, really eyeballing that week four game against Detroit. I think that that could be his, his eruption spot. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy for Justin Fields to have like Jalen Hurts type games. You know, like Jalen Hurts had that really Definitely. nice three game stretch. He's a better passer than Jalen Hurts too. Yep, yep, for sure. Dallas, I didn't think they'd do it, man. And we talked about it. I didn't think they'd do it. Part of the thesis on Ezekiel Elliott being a top five or top six overall pick or whatever was that Dallas can't give this guy a six-year, $90 million contract and then have him lose snaps to a fourth-round rookie. Credit to Dallas. They're doing it, man. I mean, Tony Pollard's just so much better than Zeke. They almost have no choice but to get Tony Pollard out there a lot. Zeke only had 55% of the running back carries in that game, only 40% of the running back targets against the Chargers. And Pollard just looks shot out of an absolute cannon People now want to know what to do. They have both. Should they start both? Should they start uh, just Pollard? Should they start just Zeke? How are you looking at the running back situation for Dallas? No, yeah, and we got a question on Twitter today. Uh, can you start them together? You absolutely can start them together, um, especially in games where the script profiles as, you know, the, the Cowboys are going to have a lead um, and be able to dial up a lot of touches for both of these guys. They're going to just keep both these guys involved. And that's exactly what the, the coaching has been really promising from Dallas so far in week one. Well, they, they've done such a good job of attacking weaknesses and uh, circumventing the strengths of defenses in week one. You know, they threw the heck out of the ball against Tampa Bay. Didn't even try to run it up against the run it up the gut against Vita Vea and, and Dominican Sue. And then in week two, the Cowboys or the, the Chargers have been really poor in run defense and they just smashed them uh, with the run uh, and just running relentlessly off of uh, a Zach Martin's butt. Um, I, I, I think that the coaching has been, this is what I expected from the coaching last year, but I think that there were some, you know, some, some speed bumps between Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore in year one. And obviously they had all the injuries, especially on the offensive line. But, I mean, the, the coaching has been excellent in Dallas so far. And I'm optimistic about pretty much every member of this offense. I do think, though, um, you know, I, if you need roster space, which most people are, are already starting to need roster space, I consider dropping Michael Gallup right now. He's going to miss two to four more weeks. Um, and this is going to be the C.D. Lamb show. Yep. Uh, interesting game Monday night, Dallas and the Eagles. I think that'll be a really good one. Let's go to Detroit. Um, you know, everybody watched the game, I'm sure, on Monday night. Jared Goff can move the ball. Like, it's possible. He's not, like, drawing dead to move the ball. And I kind of feel bad for him. I mean, without Tyrell Williams out there, I mean, what they were putting out there, wide receiver, is absolutely humiliating. He did have a really nice touchdown pass to TJ Hawkinson, who continues to be the number one target. What did you see out of Detroit last night in their loss to the Packers? Yeah, everything that you could have expected uh, to happen for TJ Hawkinson has happened 
so far. You know, the weakness at wide receiver, and he's just been dominating targets in the middle of the field. He's the number three overall fantasy tight end behind only Travis Kelsey and your boy Rob Gronkowski. Oh, no. Um, and, I, and I expect that to continue. I mean, this is, you know, TJ Hawkinson, motherfucking Mackey Award winner. Um, I expect him to keep it up. You know, we we heard about the the positive reports about his chemistry with Jared Goff in training camp, and his bled into the regular season. Green Bay Packers in that game, you know, as expected, it was so obvious that area was a really good spot for Aaron Jones. I mean, how many guys in the NFL can go out there and catch six balls in a game and also uh, score four touchdowns and get all the goal line work? Like, Aaron Jones is an awesome, awesome... The, the answer is him and Alvin Kamara and, yeah. like, maybe McCaffrey, and, like, that's it. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones is such an awesome, awesome player. Obviously, in week one, it was a dreadful game for the Packers. They got back on track in a big way. Devontae Adams had the 50-yard catch, 8 one for him, but Aaron Jones was the story. What did you see out of the Packers? Yeah, I mean, just the the perfect get-right spot, and that's exactly what they did. Um, you know, whereas Tony Pollard has carved out standalone value, I'm a little bit skeptical right now that A.J. Dillon is going to be able to do that. Did you see during the game, it looked like Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers gave him the stink guy uh, at, at one point. That's never mm-hmm. a good look. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then all of a sudden you see A.J. Dillon running off the field. Um but yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones, I, I, people were worried about him after week one. He's now the number three overall fantasy <laughs> running back um, behind only uh, Derrick Henry and, and uh, Christian McCaffrey. So uh, don't, don't need to worry about that. He looked phenomenal. I mean, Aaron yeah. Jones is a hell of a player. Unreal. Uh, I do want to note that I mentioned the air yards by low model is coming up. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has 12 targets <sighs> this season. He's turned 12 targets into three catches for 18 yards looks a lot like prayer yards out there for mvs rather than air yards there were two plays on monday night where he had a step or two on the defender and you know you, you never know was it did rogers just overthrow him a little bit or did he not track it well enough you know it, it's hard to say but there were two big time opportunities um i'm sure that that that, that pained dink to be watching his boy out there missing those opportunities Los Angeles Rams, I wanted to note the Daryl Henderson injury because Daryl Henderson has this outrageous one. I mean, Daryl Henderson was playing every snap in week one until the blowout, then was playing every snap in week two until he hurt his rib. Doesn't sound like it's overly serious. I don't know, though. I consider him very questionable. For week three, I think Sony Michelle will come in and do a fine job if called upon. The Cooper Cup stuff, though, dude, 37.5% target share through two weeks. I mean, Deshaun Jackson and Tutu Atwell aren't even playing. The running back target rate is kind of low. So, I mean, you have Cooper Cup out there running every, uh, playing on every snap with Van Jefferson and Robert Woods, and he's got something going on with Matthew Stafford. People have tweeted at me that it's the breakfast narrative. These guys eat breakfast together every day, and therefore Cooper Cup's target share is 37.5%. Listen, Evan, the, the way that I lost on Sunday, I didn't play Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. A lot of other people did, and that was the difference. If you were here, would you have implored me to play Cooper Cup and how much does Drew Silva owe me? I mean, Drew Silva probably owes me at least half a Kia right now, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I I feel that. Um, I don't know, I, I, you know, switching the focus back to the running game, um, you know, this is what the Rams feared with Daryl Henderson, that he just cannot hold up under a big workload and it doesn't have to be an ACL tear or an Achilles injury or, you know, it it just, it can be Knicks, you know, that that knock him out for the game. Um, Sony Michelle's knee, Sony Michelle looked good uh, mm-hmm. off the bench. He looked good uh, all last season um, and, and in a small sample. I think he had what, like 60, 80 carries, something like that. 
uh, but he really played well. He looked good. Um, the reports were, were really strong about him uh, in Patriots camp before he got traded. But his knees are he, – he's a bad bet to hold up too. So I think that right now the answer is to stash Jake Funk, um, who was a very limited running back uh, at Mer- uh, in college. He played linebacker in college, but he's a big-time athlete. I mean, he's like a what, you know, 90th percentile spark athlete, something like that. And um, I think that he is an excellent stash right now. He probably should be rostered in all leagues. Tyler Higby won for eight, but he played 100% of the snaps. So I'm not panicking on him. Um, I would be trotting him out with confidence here in week three against Tampa. Oh, yeah, the Higby stuff was really rough for both the season long and DFS. Um, Minnesota Vikings. KJ Osborne again, man. Like, KJ Osborne just comes from like, I thought he was on the bubble to make the team. And we played him in preseason a couple of times because we thought he'd play a lot because he was trying to make the team. And now in the regular season, he's got an 18% target share while running around on 90% of Kirk Cousins' dropbacks. That was obviously a very wild game against the Cardinals. They're not all going to be like that, but this Minnesota defense may not be very good yet again. What do you think about Osborne and anything else on the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, it's it's surprising. And, you know, I have priors, you know, anti-KJ Osborne priors that you know i'm still trying to work through um, this guy was a 2020 fifth round pick uh he played at uh, university of buffalo and he finished his career at miami um he returned kicks and, and punts uh throughout his college career and we you know he wasn't like a, dyna- a dynamic kickoff and punt returner but we do like to see that on a guy's profile um he ran 448 at 511 203 I mean, he can play a little bit. We, we've seen that. I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to have a, a tough time trying to, you know, fire up KJ Osborne anywhere unless, I mean, I'm in a particularly deep league. I just, I don't know about the reliability, but I mean, he stepped up there. You know, they're a, an 11 personnel team at right. this point, not a two tight end team as they have been in the past. And uh, that means that he's going to be seeing the field uh, pretty consistently. Well, that was going to be my main point is that KJ Osborne has 15 targets through two games. In other words, it's not as concentrated to Jefferson and Thielen anymore. And they've had plenty of targets and they're going to get theirs. But part of the appeal of Jefferson and Thielen was that they were running all the routes in the two wide receiver sets and their target per route run was going to be so high. You mix KJ Osborne in for 15 targets. It's not as good. I think that's something to monitor. Saints. We talked about this, you know, in the preseason. I mean, there's a chance that they can, their offense can just crater, right? Because, like, they're really lacking talent outside of Alvin Kamara on offense and the offensive line, obviously. And that's what happened. They go to Carolina, and the offense just absolutely craters. Marquez Calloway has run 47 routes on 51 Jameis dropbacks this year. He's caught three balls for 22 yards and no touchdowns. I mean, I think you're going to have games like this, I don't want to say consistently, but a reasonable amount of the time on the Saints, they just have absolutely stone cold, no talent on offense. What do you see out of them? I assume Marquez Callaway is a pretty safe drop right now. Yeah, I mean, he's still – I mean, the, the fact of the matter, they ran 43 offensive plays in week two. The Panthers, who, who they lost to, who, and we were on that, they ran 73, 30 yeah. more offensive plays than the Saints. So I think that we're going to see the Saints' number of offensive plays run – certainly positively grasps back back to the mean um but i think that you know the the week what what happened in week one it was just it was a total mirage it was sean payton you know having this the 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 masterpiece uh schematic game in week one 
And then they kind of snap back to reality in week two. And, you know, you're talking about an offense that is dotted with undrafted players at like virtually all the skill positions outside of Alvin Kamara. So um, I mean, they have a, a legitimate talent issue. They still have a very good offensive line, um, but they have a legitimate talent issue at the skill positions and that's, that's going to hurt them. And, you know, how long is Sean Payton going to have give uh, uh, Jameis Winston in terms of his leash until mm-hmm. he goes to Taysom Hill? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we, I think we can already start talking about when is Taysom Hill going to start? And here we are in week two after Winston has a two pick, you know, four sack game on 22 uh, on 26 dropbacks. Yep. New York Giants. I'm sure you guys who are watching the game, you saw like Kenny Galladay. It looked like he was screaming at Daniel Jones on the sideline. And then he gets in front of the media and Kenny Galladay doesn't say, oh no, no, I, I, it was just a misunderstanding. Kenny Galladay says, no, actually I was yelling at Jason Garrett, which was amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's just, he could have just said, no, you know, I don't want to talk about it. He said, no, no, I wasn't yelling at Daniel. I was yelling at, at Jason Garrett, which is awesome because we know Jason Garrett is just an absolute dunce. One thing I, I thought, you know, people want to call Saquon's injury the issue. I don't think Saquon's injury is the issue at all. I thought he's looked fine. He played 58 out of 69 snaps on a short week. He's played the, the Broncos and the Washington football team, two pretty tough defenses. The issue with Saquon is what it's been for the last couple of years with this offensive line, with this Jason Garrett scheme. There's no consistency. He gets like negative, negative, one yard, zero yards, negative, negative. And then he needs to like create a 60-yard touchdown, which he certainly can. And I think he will. Now on a long week, gets Atlanta, New Orleans, Dallas the next few weeks. I'm optimistic Saquon's going to have more chances to break one of those long runs. I'm not saying I would trade for Saquon or anything like that, but like I'm certainly not selling him right now with these matchups coming up and his knee looking fine in a long week. What do you think on Saquon and anything on the Giants? Yeah, I mean, Saquon has always run like that, though. I mean, he, he did that at Penn State. He's just a mm-hmm. classic boomer bust runner. You know, he's not a chain-moving sustainer who gets four, five, and six-yard gains. Like, he, he's going to have a lot of runs for one, two, zero, minus two, you know, and then your hope is that he breaks a couple of long ones. That can be detrimental to an offense because, you know, the offense doesn't stay on schedule. You know, you're, you know, you're, you're, you, you, you hand it to him on first and 10, he loses two, you know, all of a sudden now you're in, in second and long, you know, um, and then they try to hand it to him again, being Jason Garrett. And now you're in third and 14, you know, like it's, it, it can be truly detrimental to an offense, but I agree with you on his health. It doesn't seem like the giants are very concerned about his health either because he was, he was a, a true every down back uh, against Washington on a short week. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, the question now becomes, do we buy low on Saquon Barkley? And I think that the answer is yes. Daniel Jones has played, he's been fine. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he has not been the problem with the Giants offense. Um, the offensive line is not going to get any better. They just lost Nick Gates, arguably their best offensive lineman to a broken leg on Thursday night. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like Saquon has this ability to break these long runs. Weeks three through nine schedule looks pretty nice for Saquon Barkley. Falcons, Saints, Cowboys, Rams, uh, Panthers, Chiefs, Raiders. So not not you know not, not not too many big obstacles there for Saquon. He's gonna be now he's gonna be coming off ten days rest. I think he's a buy low for sure. Okay, let's go to the Eagles. Um, Eagles did not play as poorly as it seemed. Jalen Hurts' his ADOC continues to be extremely low but they got down to the red zone had some turnovers I didn't think they were as bad as it seemed um I think it is bad though for Dallas Goddard 
Jalen Hurts dropped back 30 times. Goddard only 16 routes. Zach Ertz 18 routes. In other words, this is mostly an 11 personnel team. I would note Zach Ertz is now on the COVID list. Not sure if he'll get cleared for Monday. That would be a huge boost for Dallas Goddard if Ertz can't play. And a couple of really bad injuries I wanted to note for the Eagles that are maybe under the radar. Brandon Graham, really good edge rusher, is done for the year. And guard Brandon Brooks, not done for the year, but is going to be on short-term IR. And we've talked about how the Eagles have kind of crumbled over offensive line injuries. They do have Landon Dickerson this year who can go in. We'll see what Brandon Thorne thinks about that, but certainly not good losing Brandon Brooks and Brandon Graham in this game. What'd you see out of the Eagles? Yeah, I think it was uh, Ross Tucker or uh, Brian Baldinger, one of those guys who was talking about how they were really impressed with uh, how Landon Dickerson played after he entered in place of Brandon Brooks. And Landon Dickerson was a stud in college um, he just had a bunch of injuries, but it looks like he's healthy now. And, you know, that's a, an example of the Eagles depth on the offensive line. So still feeling really good about that unit. You know, I, I remember seeing in the preseason, some strange tweets about um, how uh, dual threat quarterbacks had become like overvalued in fantasy. And I mean, the, here, here's a, a testament against that. Uh Jalen Hurts did not play really well, you know, as a passer. He did very little as a passer in week two against San Francisco. He was still the quarterback, over, overall quarterback 10 on the week because of how valuable rushing stats are for quarterbacks. I mean, he has a high floor and a high ceiling because of his rushing production, and you're just starting him every week. Now, when he has these games where he struggles as a passer, and it's going to happen, you know, here and there, like that's really going to hurt Devontae Smith and, you know, Jalen Rieger. And I think that they, that's going to cause them consistency problems. But there's no consistency problem with Jalen Hurts. He is an every week fantasy starter. Oh, yeah, totally agree. Such a beast. Uh, San Francisco. Oh, another thing on the Eagles I wanted to mention is that the week one running back usage stuck. Boston Scott has still played zero snaps this season. Kenny Gainwell is playing a ton. Let's go to San Francisco and Brandon Ayuk started the game. Brandon Ayuk actually ran eight more routes than Trent Shurfield. Jimmy G dropped back 33 times, 20 routes for Ayuk, 28 for Debo. Most of the new 17, Trent Shurfield, 12. So, you know, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting Ayuk yet, but he's at least getting back in the mix. The running back situation, though, my God, they lost Trey Sermon to a concussion, Eli Mitchell to a shoulder injury, Jermichael Hastings to an ankle injury, all in this game, all are questionable. For week three, they have signed Jacques Patrick. Shout out to the XFL. They have Kerryon Johnson, he of the knee braces, on their practice squad. And they have Trent Cannon, longtime special teamer, available also. I mean, it's a stone-cold mess right now in their backfield. Mm -hmm. What do you see out of San Francisco? Pretty good win for them. I mean, I thought Philadelphia was going to win the game for sure. Yeah, we're doing this uh, in the early afternoon on Tuesday. And I, my, my initial impression was, so, so obviously things could change. But my initial impression was that Elijah Mitchell would be good to go. Sermon, obviously, in the concussion protocol. Jermichael Hasty high ankle sprain out indefinitely. But it sounded like Elijah Mitchell avoided a significant injury. And in that case, I mean, I think that he could get potentially like a full workload uh, against Green Bay. Um, I wanted to just note about the, the 49ers' upcoming schedule. They got the Packers. I already took the over on 48 and a half in that game, uh, 49ers Packers. Then Seattle and Arizona, three potential shootouts all in a row. Um, I think that that bodes well for, you know, especially George Kittle, who, I mean, he ran 30 routes last week. 
played 100% of the snaps, was not productive in the box score. Um, but I, I would stay, remain optimistic about him. I know people get worried about the early round picks when they don't produce in the first two games. It's natural, but he, he's, he's going to have a, a, an eruption game here, I, I, would, I would predict, maybe two uh, within the upcoming three weeks. Um, zero snaps for Trey Lance. And, you know, this was our fear entering the season that the 49ers would just start racking up wins against this soft schedule. And, um, and, and maybe they'd stick with Garoppolo. Uh, and that's what it looks like they're going to do, at least for now. Now, that, that could switch at, at any moment. But that's, that's the, the continued fear that Trey Lance just doesn't get in there as long as the 49ers are winning. Yep. Seattle. Targets between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are dead even this year. 16 each. Tyler Lockett has been way more productive. And I think that's going to kind of swing around back and forth all throughout the year. But Tyler Lockett's been making huge plays. I mean, Russ through this like cross body all the way across the field. And Lockett somehow gets two defenders to run into each other, runs into the end zone. Lockett also had the bomb in week one. Metcalf just hasn't had that happen for him yet. Not worried about DK Metcalf at all. I would note Freddie Swaim came in for uh, D. Eskridge. And had a big game. I mean, caught all five of his targets, caught a bomb. Also, what you see out of the Seahawks, who almost, who I did choke that game away. I mean, they had a big lead in that game against the Titans. Just see Tyler Lockett being undervalued for the fourth year in a row. Um, yeah. As you know, his, his final high stakes ADP, I think, was like around wide receiver 20. He's the number two overall fantasy receiver through two weeks. So uh, shout out to us for being high <laughs> on Tyler Lockett again. Easy game. <laughs> Uh, speaking of easy game, Evan, Tom Brady, I mean, one of the league's best offensive lines, maybe the NFL's best three wide receiver set. Gronk has found the fountain of youth. Tom Brady has nine touchdowns in two games. It's absolutely sickening what's happening right now with Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski did only catch sickening. four balls for 39 yards, but he had two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, two touchdowns in three straight games. No. I know. God, um, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say here other than like the offense legit, even though they have like such bad running backs, their offense pass game looks legit unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Anything on Tampa. How do they stay so healthy? They like never have injuries. I mean, they were the number one healthiest team in the league last year. They're healthy again this year. I know they lost the slot corner, uh, Murphy Bunting. But other than that, I mean, they're, can we say it together? Ronald Jones. <laughs> It's enough, enough already. already. All right. Can we say it together? <laughs> enough already. Yeah. Okay. We, when you were here on Friday night, Leone yeah. subbed in on the Friday night show yeah. and, uh, and he tried to bring up Ronald Jones. I asked, does anybody else want to say any other running backs before we move on to wide receiver? And Leone got like five seconds into Ronald Jones take and I just cut him off and moved on and moved on <laughs> to wide receiver. <laughs> oh, that's great. I got to go back and watch. Uh, okay. Washington football team, last team we're going to do here today. You know, I, I kind of thought that Taylor Heineke wouldn't be that much worse than Ryan Fitzpatrick, if worse at all. And on Thursday night, I thought he played pretty well. Like, I don't yeah. think we should really be downgrading the football team at all with Taylor Heineke in there. Dude can play a little bit. Deami Brown, you know, not doing it in the box score at 47 routes on 50 Heineke dropbacks in that game. I would keep the light on for him. At least anything on the Washington football team's kind of weird win on Thursday night. I think he, I mean, his numbers now, you know, he's starting to accumulate. He's made four appearances over the past two seasons, including this one, obviously two starts. He's, he's thrown for over 300 yards in both of the starts and his numbers look really good across the board. He can run. Um, I mean, he's, yeah, we're, we're not downgrading any Washington players. I, I made the mistake of moving McLaurin down a little bit 
um, from like a fringe wide receiver one, two, to like a wide receiver two, three in, in uh, ahead of that Giants game. And he, I mean, he whipped up on James Bradbury. Mm -hmm. McLaurin is such a baller and, and Heineke will absolutely feed him uh, volume. So feeling good about all those guys. I wonder if Antonio, if they, if the uh, Washington JD McKissick had a big game that had to be tilting for Antonio Gibson drafters, but I wonder if they limited him or at least they game plan JD McKissick a little bit more because it's a short week and Gibson had that shoulder thing um, coming out of week one. Now, now they're going to be on long rest and everything will be okay. But I was just looking for an explanation there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an explanation either other than they think J.D. McKissick can clearly play, especially on yeah. pass downs, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he's right there with James White and Naheem Hines as like, yeah. you know, guys that you're looking at in PPR leagues as a flex option every week. That's going to do it for this NFC team by team week two. Look back week three, look ahead. Again, if you do not have the in-season package yet, if you're not subscribed to this podcast yet, be sure you handle both of those. Four, Bruce Luke. Four, Evan. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.